0: Hi, everybody. Welcome to season three of the same 24 hours podcast. And I am totally stoked about today's guest. Her name is Lynn Renee Maxey, and she is a Hollywood writer. And she has written on The Handmaid's Tale, which is one of my absolute favorite, favorite, favorite shows at the moment and probably of all time. So I was totally stoked to talk to her. I've got a new book coming out in December, and I love to talk to writers love to talk to writers and their process, and especially someone who's written for Hollywood. I figured I've never talked to someone like that. I don't know what this is about. I want to know. Come be on my podcast. It's really that simple. (laughs) Sometimes, sometimes not. But Lynn Renee Maxey is a fantastic writer. She's a lot of fun, and we had a great conversation. So super excited about this episode, which I know you guys will enjoy getting a peek into this world of writing for the screen very cool very cool stuff so enjoy this episode with lynn renee maxi welcome to the same 24 hours podcast with meredith atwood we all have the same 24 hours each day and it's what we do with those hours that makes all the difference between our health happiness and success everybody welcome to another episode of the same 24 hours podcast I'm your host Meredith Atwood today's guest is Lynn Maxey. hi
1: Lynn hi thanks for being here thank you so much for having me so I
0: came across your um, Instagram when I was literally the new season of handmaid's Tale had landed I was stretching on the floor in my Latin shirt that has the don't let the bastards get you down hashtag on it. <laughs> in Latin. And I, I was flipping through and I was like, I'm going to search this hashtag. And I did. And I saw like a really awesome post on Instagram. And then it was it was one of yours. And it said writer for Handmaid's Tale. And I was like, Oh, I want to talk to her.
1: I love that. And so so much. I asked you.
0: <laughs> and here we are. So I, here we are. Know, it's just funny how you end up talking to people sometimes. <laughs>
1: I know. I love it. I think it's one of the best things about social media. For all of its, you know, faults and foibles. There's something really lovely about just finding people that you click with who live, you know, across the country or across the world. It's I know. So kind of fun fabulous. So fun. Yeah.
0: So where did you get your start as a writer and then how did you get into writing for television?
1: It has been a long and <laughs> kind of crazy process. Um, as far as getting into writing. I mean, I came home from second grade and announced to my parents that I was going to be a writer one day and kind of it was settled after that like I never <laughs> I never wanted to do anything different I had no plan B it do was just Do you remember just, why was there like what what made you decide that
0: was there a story and you're like I'm going to do that Yeah
1: we in my second grade class we wrote um, these stories we were each individually going to write a story and then illustrate it they were going to put it together and I just, I loved it and I couldn't figure out why not everyone else loved it as much as I did. And that was kind of the first moment of like, huh, I wonder if this is something and I just honestly fell in love with it and ran with it. I feel very grateful that, you know, when I came home and told my parents, they were like, you go girl, like do that. And, well, and
0: also to figure out what you wanted to do with your life at, I don't know, age seven.
1: <laughs> yeah. <laughs>
0: <laughs> it was a little crazy. It's pretty amazing. Uh,
1: yeah, but from that, I just you know continued writing and kind of had this lovely space of you know I'm in fifth grade and writing. Like I'm not thinking about doing it professionally. I just know that I love doing it. And so by the time you know I finished high school, got to college, um, I went to the University of Colorado and got my degree in creative writing. And then. Uh, getting into TV, um, I met a cute boy <laughs> in college <laughs> and married him immediately. Uh, and, oh, you know, he was he was a good one. I knew I had to snap him up. Right. Uh, so then when we graduated from college, uh, we just packed up our car, no jobs, no apartment and moved to Los Angeles. Um, we knew we both wanted to be in the entertainment industry, I had a pretty good idea that I wanted to write. Um, My husband wanted to do something in production. uh, He's an assistant director now. Um, And we just kind of started with, you know, this crazy city where we didn't know anybody and just started meeting people and doing internships. And I was able to work in a lot of different Kind of arenas within the industry in a production office, um, I worked for Heyday Films, um, the production company that did Harry Potter. So I was there kind of right at the end of the Harry Potter run, um, and then I found my way to a writer's office on Eureka. And then I went to Alphas, did a bunch of other stuff, um, and then was on Covert Affairs on mm-hmm. USA, where I was lucky enough to get um, I wrote the web series for it that season um, and then I wrote a co-wrote an episode with um, my showrunners and that was kind of my first you know leap into oh my goodness I'm actually going to do this
0: wow. um, and then
1: yeah it's so then,
0: interesting that you guys <laughs> <laughs> it's, it's so interesting that you both just and and maybe this is the freedom that comes with being young and dumb and straight out of college where you're like, we'll just go do this. But it's so yeah. amazing that you just did. You know, I, so many people, quote unquote, want to do something, right? And then they just can't, for whatever reason, can't get moving, can't get started, can't make the leap. Was it hard to make the leap? Or it was like, a, it was just what you were doing. You knew it, you knew what you wanted, and you went a- you went after it.
1: Honestly, I think it was a little bit of both. There's a little bit of like, well, if I don't do this, I'm going to regret it for the rest of my life. So we should absolutely pack up our car and move to Los Angeles. Um, But, you know, it is it's terrifying and hard and scary. And, you know, we I had lived in the same, you know, five mile radius my entire life. And so to just suddenly up and move a thousand miles away was a big deal. But. I think that that risk and that willingness to kind of jump off the cliff and build the parachute on the way down <laughs> feels pretty, you know, core to who I've always kind of tried to be as a person. Like, take this smart, crazy risk, but, you know, go for it. And you
0: said your parents were super supportive from pretty much second grade on. So did that have... A big effect on you, like no? Did anyone ever try to discourage you from becoming a writer? Were they like, maybe you should do something that might make you more money, or you know, be a be a doctor or something? Like, did you ever struggle with the idea of being in the arts?
1: Oh, I do? definitely did. I definitely did. I feel very lucky that my parents were, you know, as incredibly supportive as they were because. For the longest time, I didn't realize that it was a little bit crazy to say I was going to be a writer when I grew up. Right. Um, and so by the time I got to, you know, being a grown up, I had spent so many years kind of practicing saying, I want to be a writer. I am a writer that it was just it was normal. But yes, of course, there were definitely people who I mean. They're kind of—they're right to say this. Like announcing you're moving to Hollywood feels a little <laughs> bit like I'm leaving to join the circus. Like, right, right. yeah, maybe, maybe think this through a little bit. Um, but you know, it is—it's a crazy risk. And there were a lot of years of, you know, living in a tiny apartment and loving life, but also kind of being like, oh my goodness, I hope this works out. Right. Uh, I hope. I didn't do something stupid. <laughs> now I'm eight years in and you know,
0: it's so what am smart, I gonna do? So I mean, I, I just hope, I don't, I don't know if young people even listen to podcasts, but I just hope they do and hear this because my story, I wanted to be a writer too. I wanted to be a writer, a photographer. I wanted to do both, whatever. I wanted to be doing this. I wanted to be behind a camera or with a pen in my hand, you know, and at some point I went off to college. I was going to major in journalism. I wanted to be like a beat reporter. I wanted to, Do the dirty work. Yeah. (laughs) And um, (laughs) someone said to me, You know, you're going to be dirt poor being a writer. And I was, I had a fear of being dirt poor because I liked food and I didn't want to be hungry. (laughs) And I was like, Yeah,
1: who among us has not also thought that? (laughs) right,
0: Right. And I was like, Oh my God, you're right. And instead of, doing what you did and being like, no, this is who I am. This is what I'm going to be. And I'm going to do this. I was like, oh crap, I should make a different decision. So I did this complete about face and I went and got a straight English degree with the intention of Mm -hmm. going to law school because that's what people with English degrees with no real plan do. You know, they go to law school and then I spent, yeah. And then I spent 13 years in a profession that I hated, but six years into that, I started writing, I started blogging, because I was like, miserable. And I was like, I have to do this, because this makes me happy, you know, and only now, 20 years after the fact that after I said, I want to become a writer, am I actually a writer, you know, I just took this detour, (laughs) this ridiculous. detour. So it's so great that you just stuck to it, because you're like, leap years ahead, you know, because you did what you're (laughs) supposed to do, you didn't take a detour.
1: It's awesome. It's been it's been crazy. I feel very very lucky (laughs) and very happy that I did what I did.
0: I don't know how much is. I mean, everything. Well, how much do you think is luck versus hustle and hard work? That's a good question.
1: Well, it's funny because I get asked this question quite a bit, and because I I do in a lot of ways feel lucky. I was in the right place at the right time and met the right people. But I think there's also you know a lot of. I had done the work so that I was ready when I crossed paths with the right people to show up and do the work. I wasn't just, you know, sitting at home, waiting for something to fall on my front doorstep. Um, but yeah, I think it's, I think it's a bit of both, honestly. Yeah.
0: Yeah. So when you met the right people, who were those people and where are you now? Like, what are you doing on a daily basis? What is, what is your job?
1: So right now I'm on hiatus um, from The Handmaid's Tale. We just finished season three, and it's airing right now. We're very excited to have it out in the world at last. um, After season
0: three, I was thinking it was season two, but I've watched all of them.
1: (laughs) Okay, so season three. yeah, (laughs) yes. Um, So season three is airing, and you know it's so much fun to finally have it out in the world and to be able to see people's reaction to it and talk about things that, you know, because I've been a writer on the show, I've known that we're getting to, you know, this story point or this character for a year and a half or, you know, whatever it is. And then somebody comes up to me and is like, Oh my gosh, this happened on the episode. And I'm like, how do you know that? Oh, wait, it's out in the world. <laughs> <This is great. laughs> I can certainly talk about this. Um, so we, yeah, my job right now looks like, um, it's kind of weird. It's a lot of a lot of development. I mean, a lot of my days right now just look like me sitting in my office with my computer, or you know, staring at the bulletin board with a bunch of post-it notes all over it, um, looking for the next stories that I'm going to tell. Whether it's you know on Handmaid's Tale, or you know, um, I just did a feature earlier this year. Called the complex that will be out sometime in 2020, um, and I just get to sit and really tell the stories that I believe in and get them ready to then take out into the world and you know hopefully find amazing partners and amazing companies who also want to tell you know sci-fi stories of hope and self-sacrifice. <laughs> <laughs>
0: So what was the process like how does this even work? I, I mentioned before we started recording, I've never talked to a writer for a television show, and I literally oh and I saw on your Instagram that you like Shits Creek. <laughs> uh, and I, I was like, Oh yes. my god, I love that show. So that's a sidebar, but that was just a, I don't know why I just said that, because it just occurred. No, I for love some it. reason it popped in my head.
1: I love it. I am indeed obsessed. Oh, it's a fabulous so show. Everyone should watch it.
0: Where, I mean, and the writing on that show is just absolutely brilliant so brilliant. But how did you like how does Handmaid's Tale go from a book to being written to a tell like what is this process and how did like where did you get involved and um how much what does it feel like to have you know you write you write it for the screen, right? And then they do it. I mean, you've got to just be blown away sometimes when you, I mean, especially that show it's just so beautiful and Oh, my gosh. So many questions. But like, how's the process oh, work? Thank
1: you. Yeah. Um, so it's been it's been a really amazing, crazy process um, The the book is just so masterful and amazing. I mean, I read the book for the first time when I was in college in a literature class and just completely fell in love with it. Uh, And had continued to love it um, all the way through. And then I had met Bruce Miller, the showrunner of The Handmaid's Tale, when I worked for him on Eureka, and then I went with him to Alpha's. And so there had been quite a few of us that had been together on different shows for quite a while. Um, So I have been lucky enough to be involved in The Handmaid's Tale, the show, uh, from pretty much the very beginning. Um, when, you know, it was getting up and on its feet. And, you know, I mean, TV development takes a long time. So, generally, you know, even by the time you see a TV series, you know, hit your screen, there are people who have been working on it for, you know, two or three years at that point. Right. Um, it just, you know, it's a lot of steps to get there. But, um, it's been, you know, we just kind of took the book and really wanted to honor the the style and the the story that um, Margaret Atwood had brought so beautifully to the page. And then we were able to take it. You know, it's one of the beauties of working in television is that you get to take, you know you have more time. You have more story to tell. And so we are able to, you know, actually go and see, parts of the story that Margaret had just alluded to or, Mm -hmm. Oh, the colonies in the book are just some like faraway danger, like a terrifying place, obviously somewhere you don't want to go, but you never go there in the book uh, because offered never goes in the book. And so then as a TV series, we're able to take those ideas and that like, Oh, well she just mentioned it, but, what if we went there? What if we continued the story? And so it's just been amazing to, you know, really dig into this book together with you know the nine writers that are in the Handmaid's Tale Writers Room and just continue to tell a story um, for this, I don't know, this time and this place right, that find uh, right. yourself in that's <laughs> uh, scarily
0: like <laughs> pertinent.
1: <laughs> yeah, it's a lot. It's a lot. I'm not going to lie. <laughs> yeah.
0: So, how do you write with nine other writers? How, what does that process look like? You you all do it together? Does someone go off and write certain scenes? Like how does that work?
1: Yeah. Um I mean, every show is a little bit different. Um it just is kind of a function of what the showrunner wants it to look like, but generally what happens is you have all your writers They're in the writer's room, um, which sometimes looks like a conference table situation. Um, Sometimes it could look like a bunch of couches facing each other. And, you know, you all sit and work on, here's what we want the story for the entire season to be, just kind of, you know, these are the points, the story points that we want to get to. And then you go back and you start with each individual episode and you work together um, to kind of get a framework for the episode and then one of the writers in the room or a writing team um, will then take the episode and then they go write the outline the script it kind of that episode kind of becomes their baby Mm. they you know go write it and then the rest of the room moves on to the next episode and so it just is this like consistent, um, you know, story generation and you're all kind of thankfully in it together, um, to make the best story possible for, for both, you know, production and our amazing actors to be able to, to take it and run with it. But then also, you know, looking ahead to our audience, like wanting to tell a really good story, kind of everyone's pointed in that direction and we're all, you know, working hard to make it happen. Um, So, you know, it's one of the things that I really love about working in TV is it's this beautiful blend of working with people and collaboration. And, you know, I spend all day every day talking and thinking and researching, you know, working with other people. And then there's that moment where it's like, okay, this is your episode. Please go lock yourself in your office until, wow. you know, your outline's done, until your script is done. So it's a good balance of, you know, people and then, Solitude you know, things. me alone. Yeah. 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 Exactly. So if you um, ever kind of, both worlds.
0: have you ever broken off, like someone goes off, um, Bob goes to do episode three. Bob comes back like two weeks later, however long, and you guys are like, Bob, were you even in that meeting? <laughs> like did you miss the point you know like has has there ever been instances like that or or that someone just misses the boat or you miss the boat I mean do you have any funny stories like that or is oh is it my goodness like that?
1: um no I mean it definitely can be like that And um, thankfully I have not been on shows where that's Bob. generally <laughs> the case yes oh my gosh thankfully thankfully <sighs> Um, but yeah, I mean, you know, it, it can totally happen or people could go one way and everyone else is expecting them to go another. But I think when you have a really great team and, you know, everybody really focused on that collaboration and, you know, my episode sets up the episode that comes after mine and, their sets up the one that comes after theirs so, and you know it just it continues on if you are kind of all running in the same direction hopefully you avoid the crazy like <laughs> wait what is this we didn't write this we didn't talk about this what are you doing uh which is good
0: what is your favorite moment in all of handmaid's tale so far
1: Oh, that's a bit like picking a favorite child. <laughs> <laughs>
0: Pick the favorite I mean, child. Everyone's got one.
1: No, but I mean uh... I
0: think about I think about the episodes and I mean the first one for me was like, whoa, this is about to be just my favorite show ever. Um it was just so powerful, but then I mean the one where she gave birth was like, oh my god, there was just it was incredible i mean every episode has just got some element and um then just the creepy factor of the ceremony mm-hmm. <laughs> like, every time and i love joseph fines oh my gosh and i was like the fact that he's playing the commander i hate now because i loved him and now i'm like you're such a creeper <laughs> <laughs> you're such a creeper um well you don't have to uh... pick a favorite child but um
1: You've got to have one.
0: I I know you do.
1: I mean, I think for me, the parts of the story that I I love the most, I mean, as a writer, I get really, really drawn to stories of hope. One of the things that I say all the time is, no matter how dark it seems, there's always hope. And so I think all the way through, you know, in every episode, there are these tiny moments of, of hope and connection and, you know, the sense that our characters aren't, alone in what they're doing that there's you know for june that there's there's hope and there's love and that it's you know worth it to risk danger to return to the people that she loves and to have those friendships and those connections and um you know so i think it's very hard for me to pick like one specific but i think across the board um those moments of just you know, freedom and joy in the midst of this crazy world that she finds herself in. Um, Those are the ones that really resonate with me. And the ones that I'm, those are the ones that I'm, you know, most proud of. Right.
0: The feel, I always love the scenes with um, Serena and June, because you feel that connection, but also the distance, you know, and, and, and obviously it's, all intertwined and, and different now by season three but especially in the beginning season one and you would see moments where Serena would soften and you you would feel like I hate the word sisterhood but the sisterhood of you know women <laughs> but then it would just disappear and I mean just the the op- the paradoxes in the show are so fascinating
1: yeah it's it's really fun as a writer to be able to really dig into those those paradoxes and those complicated relationships where it's never just one thing It's you know they're dealing with about you know 12 different levels of you know we're women in this world but we're also moving towards the same goal but tomorrow we're going to be moving towards different goals and then the day after that we'll be you know back in the same boat again and it's just it's it's kind of beautiful to get to dig into that even when it's hard and heartbreaking um it feels very very real yeah
0: so when you're working on the script do you know at that point who's been cast
1: uh it depends um but we generally have a pretty good idea i mean with our leads obviously we know okay you know we know who they are so we can kind of write to who they are and who they've created the character to be as well um, but generally, you know, for the actors that are coming in for just the one episode, for you know, we meet their character once and then never again. Um, a lot of times, we're writing the the character with an idea of, you know, what they look like or who they are, but then, you know, we won't see auditions until later in the process. Once the you know the episode is actually prepping um, to get shot, then we. Then we find, you know, the right actor for the right role. And it's such a, such a fun uh, experience when you find like, oh, there you are. That's who it is. (laughs) That's not who I wrote. (laughs) Again, I mean, you come back to the collaboration of it all of, you know, we get to write a character and then an actor comes in and brings, you know, they take what we've done and they, they run with it and they, you know, bring their own gifts and talents to the, to the role. Um, And it's really fun to see it kind of all unfold. Yeah, I guess so. I have so many questions.
0: (laughs) (laughs) I just, I mean, I have, you know, like how much time, say Bob comes back with season or episode one of season two and you guys love it. So when, how, what is the time from, do you guys complete the whole season? Like does the whole season get written before it goes into production or d- does the first three episodes go like, what's the timeline? Cause obviously it's really slow just like the publishing industry. <laughs> Everything is mm-hmm. glacial pace. Um, but what's the, what's kind of the turnaround for that?
1: Uh, it depends on where we are in the season. So at the beginning of this season, you know, just the writer's room is up and going. And so we get, as far as we can, get as many episodes written as we can beforehand. But then production will start up, and so then we're, you know, doing production and writing future episodes, and it gets, you know, extremely crazy but extremely, uh, extremely fun um, to see it all take shape. So it can be anywhere from, you know, oh, I wrote this five months ago to okay, here's, you know, towards the end of the season, the, the time frame gets a little bit shorter so yeah. you're yeah just you know the nature of production um
0: so it's not that slow really toward the end you may be writing two weeks ahead of
1: time mm-hmm. yeah okay. and you know so that's scary <laughs> yeah and like every every show is different um right. you know there are some shows that are doing you know 22 episodes a year or their time frame is just shorter and so you know every show that you're on can be can be a little bit different but you know Keeps us on our toes, for sure.
0: And I I love that the shows, and it's not Handmaid's Tale, but ones where – they start off with a bang because you can tell someone had a great idea and they I guess wrote like maybe five episodes and then it's there's a clear delineation when they were like we don't know what else to do with this like bring in the aliens or something (laughs) you know what I mean (laughs) like it just got ahead of them or it moved so fast that it felt like the story suddenly got out of control like I'll see that on a tv show and I'm like oh they didn't know this was going to be so popular (laughs) (laughs) <laughs> because now they brought in like a weird storyline um i just think that's funny that's how i've envisioned it like then the writers are f- writing furiously in the the back of their car just <laughs> trying to get some story out there because the demand's so high but
1: um, uh well i can say so far there are no aliens in handmaid's tale and no plans for that which is saying something because again i'm such a sci-fi girl i'm like guys what if there are aliens it's So (laughs) far, none.
0: (laughs) Serena and the the last episode. Yeah. Yeah. Commander and Serena pull off their mask and they're aliens and explains it. Oh, my gosh.
1: Yeah. We've been writing episodes of The Twilight Zone the whole time. (laughs) That's right. Just kidding, everyone. Just kidding. Just kidding.
0: So how much longer is Handmaid's Tale? Is there another
1: season? Uh, I do not have the answer to that question. Um, you know, I mean, we we want to tell the story that we want to tell and the time that it takes to tell it. Mm-hmm. Um but I don't have, you know, a number or a plan or <laughs> you know, here's what we're looking at. But um, you know, I mean there's so much there's so much story that we still haven't told. Pieces of the book that we haven't gotten to, pieces of the story that, you know, we've found internally, um, that we we're very excited to continue um, telling the story. So how do you take
0: criticism in your industry? Like, is it difficult? Is it just, is it hard to not take criticism personally? Or is it? Is it just like everything else that it still stings? Or is it easier because you've worked with a team? Like, is it always hard to get criticized?
1: Mm-hmm. I think for me as a writer, I mean, it's on one level, it is hard to get criticized because you know you wouldn't have put it out into the world unless you know I wouldn't have put it out into the world unless I thought it was awesome um uh, so then to you know hear criticism or um, pieces that people didn't like it can be definitely really difficult but one of the things that you know I've seen and I've learned as I've gone along the more I've spent time you know in this industry being a writer um is that a lot of times that criticism um, is actually a gift because it mm. comes um, generally it, it's going to come from people who care enough to tell you that they didn't love it or they'll care about the story and be you know passionately involved in the way that it's turning out and so you know I think for me one of the worst things that could happen is if I write something and people are like. Yeah, it was it was fine, you know. Rather than <laughs> like, I would rather that you absolutely love it or absolutely hate it. Like, I want to provoke, you know, a reaction. Mm-hmm. Um, and so, if you know, for me, if I can listen to the criticism and take it to heart in you know a good, healthy way that hopefully doesn't involve me, like. You know, falling apart and eating ice cream for dinner because I'm so (laughs) devastated. Like, you know, if I can really take it and look at it, and um, you know, kind of pay attention to why the criticism came, and you know, to take a good hard look at what I'm saying and what I'm writing to say, oh yeah, I could actually make that better. Well then, fantastic! I can take it and make my scripts or my story better. Um, and just you know hopefully then put something that's even better out into the world and like, oh, thank you, people that give me notes. Um, but you know I think that's one of the cool things about um, LA that I've found is you know you kind of have to find your your community. you find your people. Yeah. Uh, people that you love and trust. you know, I don't necessarily when I'm writing you know a pilot of my own that I'm, going to take out that's going to be in development and will hopefully get made you know I don't send it wide to everyone and be like uh oh, here tell me what you think of it you know I'm very specific in sending it to people that I love and trust and you know people that I trust their criticism I trust what they have to say that it's going to be coming from you know a a great kind place even if they're like sending it back and being like this sucks you should definitely burn this and you know never touch it again like they're still like thank you for loving me right (laughs) I take your criticism well um you know it's that it's that piece of community that I think you know is very it's very apparent in any kind of creative environment because you just you have to get notes, whether you're a writer or a director or an actor or, I don't know, a painter um, or musician, anything like that. And so you kind of have to, you look for that community um, and those people who are going to kind of keep you on the path that you want to be on um, with your stories that you're telling and with your life, you know, kind of the way that you spend your time. I want to make sure that You know, I'm spending my time going in the right direction so that I have, you know, the best chance of doing the most good and the most, um, the most awesome things, hopefully.
0: Right. Right. All all goes according to plan. Exactly. The grand plan. So what are some lessons that you've learned the hard way?
1: Um, oh, there are so many. Um, (laughs) I (laughs) I learned all my lessons the hard way. So... (laughs) falling flat on my face a few times. Um, honestly, one of the lessons I learned the hard way was that, you know, I'm a writer. I'm not an athlete, but I still have to really take care of myself. I have to sleep. I have to eat healthy. And um, even though lots of people are like, what you're like, you're, you're not an athlete. You're not like training for a marathon or anything, but you know, it's, it's very uh it's a very intense job, and so if I'm eating healthy and actually trying to sleep and not just like living on you know coffee and five hour energies um, it it helps me show up in the world as just a better human but also as a better writer um i had um you know, I have definitely like crashed and burned pretty hard, um, including a trip to the hospital one time um, oh, because I, you know, sort of forgot to sleep for several weeks, months. I've learned my lesson, and I would like to not go back there again. Um, but I think, you know, there's a there's a little bit of a on another side. There's a sense that you know a writer tends to be kind of you know, alone with their typewriter or alone with their computer in some like, you know, abandoned cabin somewhere. It's very like, you know, Hemingway or Thoreau, like that's what people still think. And I think, you know, there's a tendency, especially because, you know, I, I am more of an introvert. I like spending time on my own. Um, I like being alone writing. You kind of forget that you actually do need people. You need community. You need to get away from your computer and you know go live life with your family. Go be inspired. Go you know to museums. Go see what other people are doing. And I think that um, that was the thing that, especially when I first moved to LA, um, was a lesson I had to learn kind of the hard way because you know the first little bit after you're in LA, you don't know a lot of people and you're just sort of like, this is great. I can write and do my own thing um, until you get a month in and you're like, oh my gosh, like I haven't seen anyone in, you know, months. <laughs> or um, showered. I haven't bathed Yeah, <laughs> I should be a person. That's weird. Uh, and so, you know, I really had to, uh, had to learn that, you know, for me living life is just as important as the time that I spend in front of my computer and like I spend a lot of time writing every single day um but it's still really important for me to like you know get out in the world and call people and connect with people i mean especially you know for better or worse la can be a very lonely city because people are moving and you know oh i'm here for this and now i'm leaving for a project for 6 months and so i guess i won't see you for 6 months and you know, you just have to really lean into that idea of, Hey, even if it's hard or difficult or kind of uncomfortable, like, Nope, get out there and live your people. Um, and love, hopefully love them well, um, while you're doing it. (laughs) Yeah. Yeah.
0: So what does a day look like for you? Like if you're working on an individual project, I mean, people ask me this all the time, like, what, what does your day look like? And, uh, I always struggle with the answer, even though I live my days every day. I <laughs> just <laughs> struggle with like, well, I don't know. I get up and, and go to the bathroom, but oh, <laughs> yeah. But what does a right, what does a day look like for you with the writing habit? I mean, writers always talk about how if you're a writer, you write. You you have a habit. You write. Um, so how do you kind of make sure that you're always working towards your goal or, or continuing to come, you know, to the computer when you feel like the well is empty.
1: Yeah, uh, which definitely happens a lot. Uh, so for me, um, I'm an early riser. Um, I love getting up, you know, at five or six in the morning. Um, I'm an enormous coffee drinker. Um, I probably deal with that at some point. But like, you know, it's that that ritual of like waking up making coffee, um, you know, seeing Luke before he goes off to work, um, playing with my puppy, you know, I kind of get a few minutes to just sort of like orient myself in my life. Um, And then um, one of the best things that um, I did a few years ago was I started having um, Luke, my husband um, schedule stuff for me Um, in his job. He's an assistant director. So he's the guy who works on a show and he takes the script and then turns it into a schedule. So the, you know, 150 people who are working on the show know where to be and, you know, what time to be there and what they need to bring basically so that everyone can then do their jobs to bring the show to life.
0: So that's not a big job. (laughs) uh, No, not at all. Oh, my
1: gosh. Um, His job would stress me out. too. Yeah, I would die. I would honestly die. Um, But he is extremely good at it. And I realized oh, you're used to writing a schedule for 150 people. Could you also write one for me? Um, Just for my writing time. And so I kind of, we sit down and um, he, you know, basically writes a schedule that I then stick to. Um, And yeah, there are definitely days that I'm sort of, you know, sitting at my computer, just like staring at the blinking cursor, like, oh my gosh, what am I doing? But it's also just so much about showing up and, you know, yes, sometimes inspiration hits and I'm, you know, at my computer at some weird time writing a bunch of stuff, but then other days it's just, you know, writing is is work. I still have to figure things out. And sometimes that looks like, you know, me sitting at my computer actually writing. Sometimes it looks like, you know, I'm doing research on a project and, you know, reading up about you know, the background or the science behind the science fiction that I'm writing. Um, and then other times it can genuinely just look like me, you know, sitting in my office, kind of looking at a blank wall and just, you know, finding the story. And it it all seems very um kind of weird and esoteric, even as I say it out loud and kind of hearing <laughs> it. Because, uh, you know, there have been days that Lucas come home and, you know, I'm sitting on the couch just like, you know, staring at the wall and he's like, are you working right now? Or are you just like (laughs) sitting? And I'm like, Oh, I'm working. He's like, cool. I, you know, I won't disturb you. Um, but it is weird that like that is sometimes what my writing life looks like. It looks like, you know, just sitting and thinking and imagining. I mean, I feel very, you know, it's so much fun to literally like I make stuff up for a living. I'm, I literally play professional make-believe. Um, awesome. You just have to like spend the time to do it.
0: Do you ever find that professional make believe that it would be easier to tell just a nonfiction story? Because I I do all my writing like nonfiction, like what's going on with me, what you know, self help kind of stuff. And then yeah. I keep saying I'm going to write fiction, and I and I have this story I've been turning in my head for 20 years. And I sit down to write it, and it freaks me out. I don't know why, like make believe. Is worse than talking about like truth for me.
1: Yeah, it would seem to well, be easier <laughs> to make up no, stuff. And <laughs> here's here's the thing. First off, you should absolutely write your story, even if you only ever just write it for you. Don't think about it. You know, you know, a couple of years down the road or it being out in book form. Like, just write it for yourself first. Get it on the page and see what you've got. It's really, it's that. But also, on the flip side. Um, I, I totally get what you're saying because for me, nonfiction terrifies me. Mm. Like I, because I'm so used to working in the world of fiction that to, you know, actually You don't even know what's true anymore. (laughs) Yeah. Like this is nonfiction. I'm like, oh my gosh, what if I get a fact wrong? Like the fun thing about fiction is I can get a fact wrong and be like, no, like I meant to do that. Um, But, you know, I think whether it's fiction or nonfiction, I think there's, there's always truth that we can find. Because I think at the core, there's definitely, there's human nature. And, you know, sometimes the stories, whether they're nonfiction or fiction can be really difficult. Um, Sometimes they can be really full of joy and imagination. Um, You know, I think it I think it all crosses over and you can get to that core kernel of truth that people can then, you know, take in their life. I mean, you know, there are books that have inspired me and episodes of television that have, you know, completely inspired me, even though it was fiction, it like changed the way I lived my, you know, real world life. Yeah. Um, you know, I think Did there's some
0: do you find it hard to keep, like, what is your mental process when you start out with a new story? How do you, do you diagram the characters so you can keep them straight? Do you, do they get names and faces in your mind? Because that's kind of the trouble. I, so I started diagramming, like, okay, this character is this, this is this, this is this. And then I kind of put it next to me while I was writing so I could remember who these people were, even <laughs> though I have an idea of them. And so then I get lost because... I feel like I should know who they are, and maybe I need to just let it go and let them become the character as I write. Like, I think that's where I'm getting stuck on the process, because in nonfiction, you kind of know what you want to say, I guess. And maybe with fiction, I'm getting lost because, one, I think I'm scared of what I might say. <laughs> I think I'm yeah. scared of where the story's going to go, and then <laughs> I think maybe I feel like I have to have it all figured
1: out. So, kind of, what is what is the process for you? Uh, it's it is scary, honestly. Like, so you feeling afraid if you're looking ahead? Like, that's not crazy. I get freaked out every time mm-hmm. I sit down to tell a new story. So, for me, the way that it works is once. I kind of just have this ongoing um, ideas document. It's literally just a Word document um, on my laptop that I just, oh, that's an interesting idea. Oh, that's an interesting world. I just keep track of everything. And then sometimes I'll go back and really start thinking about it. And a lot of times the way that I know that a story is the right one that I want to tell is when I start waking up in the morning thinking about it, when I find myself you know, telling friends or Luke about, oh, I have this story I did okay, that's the fifth time I've talked about this. Okay, I think it's time, you know, for me to write this. Um, And then, you know, I really, I do something that's very similar to what it sounds like you do. I I start thinking about the characters, who they are, what they might look like, um, you know, kind of who they are and how they fit in this world. And then, you know, it's literally post-it notes on the wall next to my desk of, character names um for me because i write in you know tv and film i do tend to write specific characters for specific actors like just you know okay i think this person would be an excellent version of this person and it it helps me keep um, it helps me keep the characters straight but oh, that's a good idea that's it good helps idea. There are tons of writers that don't do that. It would drive them crazy.
0: <laughs> but, yeah, that would be great. I could just go ahead and yeah. put Renelle Z- Zellweger in the in the role, and then I can stop worrying about the facial expressions because
1: <laughs> yeah. I know what they are. You know what they are. Yeah, uh, and it's, it's really great. And then there is generally when I sit down to write a story, I have a rough idea of where I want the story to go. You know, okay, I'm telling a story that is, you know, about self-sacrifice so probably at the end of the story like one of the characters is going to sacrifice himself um or you know I'm telling this story about you know the intersection of science and storytelling and so I really want to make sure that my character at the end is like an amazing scientist and has like a breakthrough moment you know I mean these are all just kind of shooting from my head ideas and thoughts but like there is something really, um, interesting. And for me, it's really fun where I do kind of let the story take me where it wants to go. And I kind of, I find different story points along the way. I find, you know, I've had moments where I've been writing one story and then, you know, suddenly, Ooh, this character could be interesting. Like I'm, this is very, you know, Thing of a writer says, I think, but um, mm-hmm. I'm in the middle of writing my first novel, um, which is a crazy big thing that I'm, you know, jumping into this year. And I had a moment where I had my two characters walking through a neighborhood and kind of out of nowhere, this third character just like ran out of her house and joined the conversation. And I was like, I don't know who you are, but you're fun <laughs> and you have a very loud, crazy voice. And now she is a main character in the rest of the novel, and she wasn't someone that I, you know, ever anticipated. Um, you know, when I sat down to start the novel, I have no idea she was going to be there, but here she is, and I'm very glad for it. Um, so and it I is. Guess that's the point too: is you've got
0: to lean into that and let it go. Because every time I sit sit down to write, that's what happens to me, and I'm like, wait, who is this person, or yeah. what is this event, and I need to just. Let it go, because that that third person's supposed to be in your novel.
1: Yeah, just yeah. like run with it. And honestly, if you get to a point where you know you get pages and pages in or chapters in, and you're like, oh, I actually don't like where this is going. Great, go back. Like, you don't right. have to stick with it. There's like, you know, God invented the delete key for a reason, right? Um, but it's you know, there's a little bit of because you are the one who gets to control the story you can, you know, take those kind of surprise characters or random detours. And if they work for the story, fabulous, keep them. Um, otherwise you can definitely like backtrack um, until you find the place you're happy and go from there again.
0: And for anyone who's starting to write, I don't know what, what program or what methodology you use, but I, every day I open up my document to write, I save it as a new version and then yes. if I decide to make massive cuts, I save that as a new version. So I'll have like a day that might have three versions. But <laughs> at any book or major thing I write, I have a file that has at the end of the day, I'll have like 150 versions. But anyone that's starting to write, make sure you do that because you never want to delete permanent. You want to have whatever you might have chopped earlier.
1: <laughs> it's really yes. helpful. Yeah. Oh, yes. Absolutely. That seems commonsensical,
0: I have- but I didn't do it for a long time and then it was dumb.
1: Yeah. And then you're like, Oh, wait, that one paragraph was so smart. I wish they still had it.
0: Yeah. 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 Well, Lynn, this was super fun and enlightening. And I feel like I learned so much. I know so much about writing in Hollywood. Now I'll just go do that. (laughs) (laughs) So what is um, this podcast is called the same 24 hours, meaning we all have the same 24 hours in our day. But it's what we do with those 24 hours that leads to our greatest health, happiness, and success. So I like to ask my guest, what is one thing that you do on a daily basis that you think kind of gives you the greatest reward that that's, helps you stay consistent, that keeps you on the right path? What What is one thing that you can kind of point to?
1: Ooh, one thing. Um, for me, I think the one thing that I do every day is... Before I sit down to write, I take a few minutes, and you know, three, four, five minutes. I really stop and think about why I'm doing what I'm doing. Why am I writing? And what's what's the thing that I hope I put out into the world, um, both with writing and with my life? And I hope that I, you know, am a person who encourages grace and hope and joy and community. And so if I can sit and just take those few minutes um, to really remind myself what I'm doing and why I'm doing it, um, I always feel like the days that I do that are much more productive and much more, um, you know, filled with grace and community and people. And, you know, it just makes me very, very thankful for where I am.
0: Yes. Gratitude is awesome. Yeah, well, thank you, it. Lynn. Please keep me posted on when your feature comes out and, of course, your novel. I will thank to you. talk to you again about the novel. Yes. <laughs> well, the third love girl her. that runs out of a house.
1: Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> She's pretty great. Well, thank you uh. so much.